0: Hello and welcome to Reclaiming My Theology, a podcast seeking to take our theology back from ideas and systems that oppress. I am your host, Brandi Miller, and as we are continuing to get toward the very end, we're on the last couple of episodes of this series on white supremacy, I am joined by my friend Ben Emerson to talk about uniqueness, or the the need for things to be uniquely Christian. A lot of us are really familiar with this, so I imagine that you might have a lot of stories, so feel free to share those on your socials and let us know what you're thinking about it. And with all of that, please enjoy this conversation with my friend Ben husband, not pastor, father, and really husband of Andrea Emerson, which is amazing. Do over. Let's go. Yes. Well, hopefully we won't be doing that today. But Ben, thank you so much for being on. I just want to name that it's an honor to have you on because you're a person who's seen me through literally a decade of my life in pretty hilarious ways and ways that we are both so different than we used to be. So I'm honored to have you on right now.
1: Well, I I am deeply honored that you invited me. So um, thank you. And I'm I'm excited because this has been like the longest conversation we've had in a very long time. That is
0: true. It's also funny because I don't, as you know, I don't have a lot of white men on here. And I was like, oh, I'm really exhausting. By the end of this season, I'll have exhausted the list of white men that I trust. <laughs> <laughs> and so well, welcome to the club,
1: then. Well, thank you. Yeah, I will do my best to keep in your trust.
0: <laughs> thank you. I do appreciate that. And even not that-
1: just so I could be in this podcast, but <laughs> because I like you and I want to still be a friend and I want you to come over to my house. I want you to come over to the house and kick my butt in whatever board game we happen to be playing.
0: But only the second time, so.
1: Yeah, you have one where you, like, figure it out. You're like, oh, that's how it works. And the next time you're like, I got this.
0: (laughs) Crushed. I do enjoy games in that way. again. Yeah. Well, Ben, for folks who don't know you, as I always ask, um, I would love for folks to get to know you some. And so can you let folks know? What does it mean to be you?
1: Uh, well, I, I was thinking about this question because I've listened to many, many, many of your podcasts and so I'm like, what would I say? So uh, to sum it up, I think I said, to me, to what it means to be me right now is that um, if my 18-year-old self could see me, he would be, I think it would just throw him into a complete existential crisis. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, I, like everything that he wanted to be like, career wise faith wise just just didn't pan out at all Mm. um um, i've so yeah uh so like i went to school to study music to be like a choir director and now i work in customer service at the county library (laughs) in portland uh i planned and after i I, in college i kind of got really involved in a um campus ministry that you are intimately familiar with uh-huh. that we may have also like worked together at large missions conferences <laughs> on the same bible study team um so like i planned on kind of doing that for life like i had no other things i really wanted to do and then i was back on five or six years ago i left on like less than great terms and that um that's not something i thought would happen when i was younger uh i spent 20 years of my life as an evangelical Christian. And when I left ministry, it didn't take long for that whole thing to kind of unravel where I, um, I kind of like left the faith altogether. I didn't kind of, I'm trying to like parse my words. Yeah. I did leave. Yeah. I, I don't consider myself a Christian anymore. And I'm happy to get into some of that stuff if you want yeah. later. Um, so I'm trying to like, just kind of figure all that out. Um, I'm also uh, I, I check off two-thirds of the pastor-husband-father <laughs> thing. Um, <laughs> My favorite? I'm not a pastor. <laughs> yeah, um, so I've been married to Andrea, who has also been on your podcast mm-hmm. a couple times. Um, just shy of 10 years, and we have three hilarious kids who are all under the age of eight <laughs> as of this recording. So we're, it, life is life is um, all kinds of wild right now, so.
0: <laughs> and they that's, are a hoot. That's
1: a little what it means to be me. The amount yes, of pictures I truth. get sent to me of
0: like half naked white children. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> playing in that's, pools. I or... mean,
1: that's, you could basically, that's my house. You could define my house by what's the Emerson's house like? It's uh, a bunch of half naked or totally naked white children. <laughs> right.
0: Right. Yeah. That seems <laughs> Well, tell folks a little <laughs> bit about what you do with your time or what your sense of vocation is, knowing that that's like a complicated yeah. question that doesn't have a good simple yeah. answer.
1: no. Well, it, it was great. I mean, I you know I know you're going to ask that, so it's helpful to think through some of this stuff. But I always tied vocation to career before. Like I always thought, like, your vocation is your job. Um, and uh, like I mentioned before, I work at the call center for my local library. So if any of your listeners live in Portland and they call the Multnomah County Library, there's a good chance you're going to talk to me. <laughs> um, so... For me, vocation, even though I have a hard time with that word in general, like as an idea of calling, it's that's a thing I'm like, I don't know what I think about that, but it doesn't have anything to do with what I'm getting paid to do right now. I think when I think about like what kind of life I want to live, um, I'm trying to think about like what kind of world I want my children to have when they grow up and um, uh, what kind of people I hope they are. And I'm, (laughs) I mean, I'm trying to raise like, the best half-naked white kids I can <laughs> um, who understand concepts like that we live in like a pluralistic multi-ethnic world and they are not the center of it mm. and um, that they're going to, people are going to treat them a certain way because of how they look and they're going to have some responsibility with that. So just trying to do that Andrew and during are trying to figure out how do we use our money well, we don't have tons of it, but we have enough that we can be generous and what do we want to use it for? So, um, that's kind of what it is. Like, I'm, I, I, feel like in many ways, like when you hear the term like mediocre white man, I'm like, I, I feel like I identify with that a little bit. All right. <laughs> um, and I'm trying to be like the best mediocre white man I can be. Um, but then I also, I also write novels. I just, mm-hmm. I recently kind of got into writing fiction. So I published my first one this year, which, um, when you, uh, later on ask if I have something to, um, promote. I will get into that. Excellent.
0: More. <laughs> I'm happy to have you do that because I have a couple copies of it myself. So yes, which is so fun.
1: It warms my heart.
0: <laughs> so good. It's so so cool. It's so cool <laughs> to get to see that happen. So this conversation is kind of a funny one because today we're going to talk about it, it's less. It, it's hard to summarize it apart from just calling it uniqueness because I think that there's this mm-hmm. reality in a lot I apologize of.
1: Apologize for my crying children. <laughs> that takes a lot to fall asleep that's my three-year-old
0: it's okay we'll see what we even get on the other side of it
1: it's real is this real life
0: yes and i might i don't know what will happen in here i'm in like a the old mars hill church building that my church is now in so the ghost of mark driscoll might be in here so who knows (laughs) he's not dead he could still have a ghost i don't know how demons work you know i don't even know what i believe about that stuff does he
1: have like past present and future like in christmas carol (laughs) oh no we're making that happen. I'm going to write that one. Yes. Please
0: do. That is the that is the parody slash like anti-fan fiction that we need in the world. Yes.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: So we're going to talk about this concept of Christians needing things to be utterly unique or uniquely Christian to be valuable or to be good. Mm-hmm. And I think that as a lot of people are trying to figure out what it means to reclaim their theology there is this way that we actually lack a lot of creativity in how we do that, because there is this entrenched worldview or cultural worldview that says that things need to be unique or uniquely Christian. And so as we start the conversation, I would love for you to share some of your thoughts. What do you think about that idea? Please define that in whatever ways feel comfortable and good for you. Yeah.
1: So the first couple things that come to mind, I think of two. Um, So one is there's an idea in evangelical Christianity, and it may be in larger in the Christian world, but that for something to be good or like, just like worthwhile or valuable, it has to be explicitly Christian. Um, Like something, let's say like love or justice, truth, kindness, whatever, like unless those things come with this, like Jesus stamp on them or Jesus attached to them, or oftentimes like, you know, you're doing ministry stuff. Like you can't, like you could, uh, I don't know, do free meals for people, but you have to do a gospel presentation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Otherwise it's like, well, did you do anything? Uh-huh. Right. Right. Um, so like, yeah. And I said, um, I am thinking like, it's like without that little Jesus stamp on them, like things are like incomplete at best or at worst, you're like leading people astray. You're showing them that they can try to be like good without it. Um, and then the other one is kind of like the reverse of it, which is that the, I think that the Christian way of love, justice, truth, kind of, whatever is like the most valid way. Uh-huh. Um, or is the most helpful? Or is like the best expression of it. Yes. Um, so, I I think like you'll hear phrases a lot of times um, where it's like, well, the world does relationships this way, but biblically, like relationships are this. Or like the world does finances like this. The world tells you to lose your money like this, but the Bible and God tell you to do your money like this. And there's that dichotomy set up. Um, and I like, if you hear someone saying that, like, your, your bullshit spidey sense should start tingling. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not, like, I remember being in a, I was at a church and we were doing, like, a finances class and it was all, like, the world says, spend, 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 but Jesus says, like, save and give and do this. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure people who aren't Christians save their money and also donate it. Like, what are we talking yes. about? Uh, so, yeah, kind of those those two, like... You need a Jesus Stanford to be good or our interpretation of like the Jesus way of doing something is inherently the best way. Yes. Those are kind of what I think about when when you ask about kind of the uniqueness part.
0: Well, yeah. And one of the things that I saw growing up a lot was that it forced people to, it didn't force Christians started to try to like harness or like fence in what the world quote unquote was doing by co-opting the things and then being like, but we made them Christian now, so they're better. And so I remember (laughs) like when Abercrombie and Fitch was like this like sexy scandal of the world for having like shirtless men on their bags. Christians were like, (laughs) we're going to make a shirt in the same font that says a breadcrumb and fish. And that's going to be like this provocative thing. And so making something uniquely Christian was also about provocation. It was about like Tricking yeah. people into something and then like having a spiritual <laughs> yeah. conversation somehow. So a lot of the unique Christianness mm-hmm. was actually for me very tied to evangelism, where it was like, yeah. "Oh, your shirt is in the Coca-Cola logo, but it says Jesus Christ, the ultimate refreshment," and you expect someone to be like, "So tell me about your shirt." Which in all of the years of my wearing really shitty Christian shirts, that didn't really happen.
1: Yeah, I so I didn't say this early, but I I definitely spent a year my senior year in high school. I worked at a Christian bookstore, so like. I've seen it all. Like I've seen the the like marketing chart for like music that's like if your kid likes this band, this secular band, they will like this Christian band. Yes. So like right? Do you like um like the brian stetzer orchestra right like then you'll love the W's. yes you know like this is uh, yeah i so yeah i have lots of like late 90s early 2000s evangelical like culture cred
0: yes a (laughs) hundred percent and this is part of why i have you on for this because i think that you've been entrenched in the culture and enjoyed a lot of the culture enough that you would understand (laughs) what i'm talking about i saw
1: dc talk in concert i'm not ashamed of that my first billy graham crusade oh
0: my gosh yeah my first concert that i went to by choice was a cutlass concert Yeah,
1: they were like they're a little like past when I was like into that scene. But like people from Portland and Oregon like loved them. Yes, it was Cutlass for Lion K.
0: It was like a real it was a real situation. I also think that like one of the issues with this idea of things being needing to be uniquely Christian is that it makes the Bible something that it's not. And so it assumes that the mm-hmm. Bible has an answer or a response, an answer to every issue and a response to every question that you can say, yes. well, the Bible says this or God says this through the Bible. And if there's this other way, because it's not explicitly in the Bible, it doesn't count or it's not good or right. it's not a way that the divine might be manifest to people in real time. And so I would always hear, and I think this is where I started to be most theologically confused when I was growing up. And I ended up with like a bunch of evangelical like poster phrases to like get past the things I didn't know how to deal with. But mm-hmm. someone would be like, "Well, you know, in the beginning it's Adam and Eve, and so you can't have queer folks anywhere ever." And then I was like, "Wait, but what? If, <laughs> wait. wait a second. There's like all kinds of shit that wasn't in. I was like, "What? Your iPhone, like your computer, your camera, like all kinds of things weren't in the beginning, and right. we don't say that those things were bad." But there's no one is way.
1: saying we should be walking around naked. No, <laughs> truly. All the time. As
0: Christians, actually, um, many people would say, nah, it's, uh, you know, we'll talk about purity culture, but right. it just felt like there's ways that it this idea of things being uniquely Christian forces the Bible to be contorted into things that it's not. And I think inherently mm-hmm. disrespects the Hebrew scriptures by assuming yeah. things about Jesus that aren't true, like that Jesus was Christian somehow. And that if we slap like <laughs> Jesus or the Hebrew scriptures on something that it becomes Christian. So I I just, I'm aware of like the co-optation of the scriptures for anti-Semitism's sake and for the sake of like making Jesus something he wasn't, such that Christian white culture would be supreme.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, um, even a conversation about like what what is the Bible is also tricky for me because I'm like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> like it's a it's a complicated book, <laughs> but I do think that like trying to like boil it down so you can, like, market stuff off of it is probably not what it was intended (laughs) for and probably not the most helpful Hmm. thing. Uh, Yeah. And, yeah, maybe, um, like, I think if I can jump off what you said, like, to get into, like, that idea, I don't know if you've talked about this before. You've been doing this podcast for a year and a half and I forget, but, like, (laughs) The idea of something being, like, biblical Mm -hmm. as a, like, um, prescriptive thing. I remember Rachel Hilda Evans would talk about that, like, prescriptive versus descriptive. Like, um, and another kind of aspect of this, like, uniqueness is that, like, if something is biblical, it is therefore good. So Mm -hmm. our idea of what biblical is makes something good, whether or not the results of it are actually, like, yes. measurably or tangibly good. Like, the actual effect of an action doesn't matter. All that matters is we can go, did we do what we thought the Bible said? Yes. Then we're good. We're set. Even if you've got, like, a trail of wounded and mm-hmm. bodies behind yes. you. Which often Christians literally yes, had
0: that. actually that. Well, and <laughs> yes. what's weird about uh, it, too, is that um, I saw this, <laughs> this clip of this woman who was trying to be She was trying to like, I think she was in Arizona or Texas or somewhere where they're trying to make elections easier to make fraudulent. And she went up and was like, I feel like we just need to talk about the Bible here because the Bible actually talks about elections. And so she (laughs) quotes the scripture (laughs) about like... Let your like let your life and your elections be sure and your election be sure. And I was like, oh no. That is an example of what you're talking about, (laughs) where something is in the Bible, gets pulled out of context. And some of the things even in context aren't great. And like gets pulled out of context and then manipulated in a way that becomes this like uniquely Christian thing where now like evangelical white Christians are like, Yeah, we need to defend our elections for Jesus somehow. So I want yeah. to pivot a little bit here and talk about whiteness yeah. because I think that connection mm-hmm. um is not lost on me, and I'm certain it's not lost on you. so can you tell me a little bit about how this uniqueness or this idea of things needing to be uniquely Christian is inherently a white value
1: yeah, um so I think I think it's connected to this idea of whiteness, and again, like my I wouldn't say I'm like a scholar of whiteness, but I'm like an experiential expert in it yeah. like. <laughs> Uh, I am a cis hetero white man yeah. so like I I lived it I'm living it um it's and it's it believes that it's virtue like whiteness believes its virtue is just self-evident uh-huh. it just is great because it is um the way we do things is the best why because it just is I mean look at it come on right like that's kind of the idea right like um and, and as I was kind of thinking about that I was thinking about like You know, in the colonial period, like, you've got these cities like London and Paris and stuff. And, like, look at these amazing cities. How could we not be doing this Mm -hmm. the best? Like, and meanwhile, like, the Thames River is just, like, it's just flowing trash. Yes. It's, like, disgusting. Like, people are, are the health conditions in these cities are atrocious. Yes. And, And, meanwhile, there are indigenous folks living all over the world, like, doing just fine. Like just, mm-hmm. like just crushing it. Yes, like, you know, um, and and that we have the audacity to go like, well, hold on, your trees aren't in a row, yeah. therefore they're not good enough. But they're like, no, this is how they grow, dude. Like yeah. this is yeah. this is how stuff works. And we were like, no, 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 our way is better because it just is. Yes, and so I think that gets put on to Christianity, and I also think that there's. Like, I don't want to, like, excuse stuff. Like, I think there's plenty in the Bible for that to kind of latch on to. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's not that, oh, you just read everything wrong. Like, no, there's stuff in there that, like, whatever your interpretation of, like, something like the Great Commission is. Yeah. Like, Jesus does say you've got to go in the world and teach them to follow me. Yeah. So it's like, I have something that everybody else needs. And so white people are like, well, yeah, I mean, duh. And so. we already have it. <laughs> right. Right. Um, And so you go out and so that becomes like our way of doing stuff is the best way Mm -hmm. just because it is because God said so. But like, and you don't have to think about what you're actually doing to the land or the people um, to people's like physical bodies, to their emotions, to their spirit. Like you don't have to think about any of that. You just go, well, this is the right way. And if you're not, If you're not with it, like something wrong with you. Yes. Not our way.
0: Yes. When I see, I think I hear in that too, this idea that like whiteness is the pinnacle of humanity that like, it's like, yeah, God creates in the beginning, like all the earth and the people and like Adam and Eve or whatever. But like white folks, we've nailed it. Like we've figured out the true way, the best way, the good way. And because that is so tied to Christianity historically, it it basically creates a reality where white equals pure. And I think when we talk about things being uniquely Christian in theological terms, that becomes a really interesting conversation related to me to holiness, where there's this idea Mm -hmm. that like God is uniquely other or set apart. And like God is so different that like we can't even comprehend who God is. But somehow also we are so uniquely different and so like God that we can do like whatever we want and the way that we've become that is the best way. And so I think I hear that language, and maybe this is a place to kind of talk about the intersection of whiteness and theology too, because I think that idea of holiness and purity gets really twisty in white supremacy where it's like we have this best way and everyone everything else is everyone else is contaminating that thing. Right. And then we slap words like sin on that. So then like black Christianity becomes sin because it is not like this uniquely white Christian way of being in the world. And so it's one of the things I think about theologically a lot when I consider whiteness in this context.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't really have much to add to that. I think I think you're there's there's this like the idea of holiness like being set apart that's what i was always told it meant yeah. I, I think there's probably nuances to that in the hebrew scriptures um but yeah set apart different special and don't don't contaminate don't yeah. don't bring your whatever dirty outsideness into that yeah um
0: yeah well i think that in that too there's like and again this we can talk we can talk some bible here because i think it's this this concept is all over the place and i just remember things from when i was like at evangelical christian camps where people would be like don't be conformed to the patterns of this world but renewed in the likeness (laughs) you know it was like oh not of this world stickers were like the shit when i was growing up it was like everyone who was a christian had one of those (laughs) ugly stickers on their car that was like i am not i am so set apart i am so holy and the more that i read the hebrew scriptures the more i'm like oh i think we missed what that was about even as I think about like the images of holiness that show up, which we can talk a little bit about later, but can you talk to me a little bit about how you, you yourself even learn this? I don't, I don't even need to ask you like, tell me how this gets theologically embedded. I think there's ways that we yeah. learn this ourselves. So either one of those feels great to me. So whichever feels helpful.
1: Well, you know, I think it's, so I grew up in an evangelical church in a, you know, upper middle-class suburb of the Bay area in California. And um Oddly enough, I think one of my old youth pastors listens to this podcast, which is really, it's funny to me. Um, hi. And then, um, <laughs> like, it's a thing that's just kind of permeates everything. It's interesting, like, no one ever sat us down and was like, here's how it is. You know, you you just pick up on it. Like, I, was, I started going to a youth group when I was in, like, seventh grade, and I was very much involved in it all through middle school and high school. And you're just around it. So, like... I would go hang out at my youth pastor's like office after school sometimes, you know, and we're listening to Christian music and you're just you just equating it all like, oh, the way that we the way that this group does it here in this cool like underground part of my church like is really where it's at. Like this is where we yeah. this is where the good stuff is. The other stuff out there is suspect. It's like I, you know, when I was saying earlier like the world does this, but we do this. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of... Um, my notes just disappeared on my iPad. Why? <laughs> um, I'll bring them back. But, um, yeah, you, it just... It's in it's in everything. Uh, it's... You hear it in the sermons where they, they, like, you know, construct these horrific relationship scenarios to scare you into not, like, fooling around with your boyfriend or girlfriend, right? Like, they... They, um, you know, and I even as a person who was in ministry who taught stuff like I, I wanted people to like not really give themselves to their studies because, oh, that could be an idol. Like, don't do it there because we're actually the better thing. Yes. Our ministry is better than your engineering classes yes. um, or whatever party you wanna to go to or even in my case, I um I sang my freshman year, I sang in a men's a cappella group. Uh and I really really liked it because I was like very much into vocal music and singing yeah. and um and I had a great time there. And then I had it kind of came down to I had a choice of do I go with my ministry and lead a Bible study? Because if I do, that's gonna take enough time that I won't be able to do this group. Now I don't actually know if that's true. I might have been able to do both. Yeah. But I my head it was either this or this. It was either yes. or thinking. And, and, it, and it was pretty clear to me that the better choice, the more faithful choice was to like do the Bible study yes. and not do the music. Yes. And every time I would see them perform after that, I was like, I don't, <laughs> i like, Oh, I've made a huge mistake. Yes. Um, <laughs> like maybe like not, not always that, but like I missed it. Yeah. And I, no, I did a ton of music in, I was a worship leader. Um, but there was still some little piece of me that's like, maybe it wasn't as clear yeah. of a choice.
0: Well, I think I totally resonate with that because I think that the choices and, and it gets weaponized by Christian leaders a lot of the time where it's like, do you want it's like how when people do this with kids? Like, do you want this gross pizza pizza or this really tasty apple? Like, you're like, no, both <laughs> things are good. Like, and you're trying to sway me away from something with rhetoric actually doesn't mean that the thing that you're pulling me to is actually better. And so I think there's yeah. lots of ways that that kind of sectarian nature is the thing that actually affirms, becomes a, like it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where a pastor will say like, hey, if you do this thing, it's going to be a sacrifice, but it's going to be good. And then when it's miserable, you're like... Oh yeah, this is the sacrifice that I that I take. It's the cross I bear. It's the right. thing I carry that God's going to do something amazing in, and so it becomes this weird pathologizing of pain and suffering too, because you chose the uniquely Christian thing, therefore it should mm-hmm. be better or redemptive somehow. When maybe just like yeah. being in an acapella group would have been good by itself.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it um, thinking about thinking that something has to be uniquely Christian for it to be good or have the like you know Jesus holiness stamp of approval on it. Um, It it steals your your ability to like experience things and evaluate them for yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I I removed I didn't give myself a chance really with the group to like go. Does this work? Can I do this? Yeah. Right. Um, Or like I never really gave myself a chance to like actually like leading this Bible study is a total drag. Like I don't enjoy it (laughs) at all. Like, there are times where I enjoy being in this dorm, meeting new people. Like, I know my senior year, I moved into the dorms, like, every year I was in college. And my senior year, like, we were really good friends with, like, everybody in our hall. We had a great time. No one came to Bible study, ever. Like, and if they did, they were just like, what are we doing here? But, like, so there was fun times, totally. But, like, I never really felt freedom to go, this is, this is, I don't like this. Yeah. This, um this experience is, is not bringing me joy. It's not, doesn't seem like doing the thing that it's that, like I was told to believe it would. Yes. Um, and I think that that's true for like a lot of things, not just that, but I mean, I'm thinking about like any kind of experience, like relationships, sex. That's what I think about a lot, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, other thing, now that I said that I can't think about anything else, but like <laughs> your, it removes, if your relationship has to be uniquely Christian, if your um, expression of your sexuality has to be uniquely Christian, it removes your ability to try something and decide for yourself if you like it or not. Yes. And to look at the results and go, okay, what what did this do to me? Yes. What? How do I feel about this? Yes. You, there's no room for that because it doesn't matter how you felt about it. Was it biblical?
0: Mm-hmm. No.
1: Then it was wrong. Yep.
0: That's totally a thing. And I think that it gets, well, I mean, there's so many things that that happens with, but like one of the phrases that I heard and used, like I definitely weaponized this against students in my time in ministry was like, you know, sometimes the hard thing is the best thing. Like the thing that like feels like I can connect to it because I I think there's some ways that I'll rabbit trail to this a little bit, but we would like make Bible studies that had a clear invitation at the end, that worked toward the end of our ministry. And students Mm -hmm. might draw other conclusions, but we're like, yeah, but there's like a right answer. There's a right way to do this. There's a way to do that, like that we know. And you'll sacrifice to do the uniquely Christian, most holy seeming thing in such a way that you make yourself miserable. And that it teaches you a pathology where when there is a hard thing that you don't want to do in front of you, You have reasons why you do that thing you don't want to do. And I think it's why Christians are so bad at consent. And we're going to do like a whole episode on that later. But I think we're terrible (laughs) at consent because we're not taught what we like or can or cannot say yes or no to because something is labeled Christian or more faithful or more holy somehow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, I completely relate to like the idea that the harder thing, if it, if it seems like if it seems more aligned with whatever I'm reading in the Bible or whatever I'm studying, then that's the right thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and you distrust the fun, you distrust the easier, you distrust the, like, I don't know, This the one that's like, yeah, that's just less work. Yeah. <laughs> yes. right? Like I just don't want to put up with whatever it is. Yes. Like, look, I know we're all like reaching out to people. We're trying to like invite people to Bible study. I just want to watch You've Got Mail again. Yes. Like, I just, <laughs> like, there's, now I'm just like, you know what? Watch your movie.
0: Yes. Like, pay <laughs> attention really to the things okay. that you like. You'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is such a mess. And I think that there's ways that, because, again, I think this is, like, really bad readings of the Hebrew scriptures, but, like, the idea is, like, if you aren't holy or set apart or uniquely, like, we say Christian, but like uniquely God's people or whatever, God's going to murder you. Like God's going to murder you or God's <laughs> going to send you to yeah. hell. And so there's a way that like mm-hmm. being uniquely Christian actually ends up being like, you're the light of the world. You're the city on a hill. Like Galatians, it's like, if you sow in the flesh, you're going to reap in the flesh. And I'm like, I don't know. That's like always the worst thing. But like, <laughs> I just feel like there's all of these ways that this idea of being set apart or far off means or like like that you need to be like so otherworldly means that you're always operating under the assumption that God's trying to kill you. And so I think that that's like, that's for me is really troublesome because our interpretations of the temple are so strange that it's like, oh, holiness is about like how you come before God, which is I think true in the Hebrew scriptures, but it, it ignores all of these realities where like, yeah, you don't just like waltz into the temple, but also these metaphors that are in like Isaiah and in Ezekiel where the spirit of God or like the purity of God or the holiness of God is coming from those places to the people or to the land. And, like, healing everything. So it's less on, like, this agency of, like, if you fuck up, Jesus is going to kill you. And more, like, how are you experiencing the other, the, the totally otherness of God meeting you in a way that is, like, healing and good? And I think if we're just, like, the Bible's the only place to find that or, like, a uniquely Christian way is the only way to experience that, we miss the kind of natural, so like, literally the natural, like, the natural world and, like... Yeah other ways that goodness might encounter us in a way that actually engages us in a divine or spiritual way. And so I think that just we just miss so much and lose so much in this.
1: Yeah, I agree. Like, I think, you know, as I've kind of let go of it all, like, I, I don't, I don't, these days I don't ever read the Bible unless I'm referencing something. Yeah. Like that's, you know, um, and I personally I have a hard time with terms like oh the divine meeting us I'm like uh I don't know what that means but like but we go to the coast the Oregon coast for vacation and I'm standing at a spot seeing these like giant rocks out there with these beautiful evergreen trees on them as the waves come in and I'm like the world is amazing like and my feet just got washed by the ocean and like the ocean is where my ancestors like are from millions of millions of years yeah. ago. Like just like I have those moments where I'm like this is so cool, yeah. and like it doesn't need, it doesn't need to have something uniquely Christian about it. Yeah. I think you know I I um I, you've mentioned a couple things. Um, I just I recently read braiding sweetgrass oh, and so I you know it's a risk of being a broken record like. Everybody listening to this, go read that book. But like that book, I'm starting to learn about what it means to like have a reciprocal relationship with the world, and just like the barest amount, you know, reading that. But like, I'm okay with it. Going, look at this like amazing, beautiful world that I just got to be born into. Like, and how can I? How can I be kind to that world? Yeah. And like, you know, we're doing like little things with our family, you know, or like on those, like, we just had some crazy heat waves in Portland. Mm-hmm. You had some, it was pretty hot up in Seattle yeah, too, right? So. Um, so. But like, you know, it's like 115 degrees outside. And we set up like just a little like tray with some colored rocks on it, put water in it for bees. Yeah. And my kids are out in this little inflatable pool and they're like, ah, it's a bee. And I'm like, no, no, no guys, look, it's a bee because it's coming for the water. So like, we're just going to leave the water out. Because we want to be nice to the bees. And so all my kids, are like, oh, it's our bee friends. Like mm. and then we had a yellow jacket nest that our um, my father like put a little like one of those yellow jacket tube trap things. Yeah. And my middle kid was like livid. He's like, Why? Yeah. Why are you doing that to the bees? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is you've got a good heart, kid. But um I'll have to say, like, you can find things that are I think deeply meaningful and significant. Like maybe that's my way of saying Something about the divine yeah. is like this is like deeply meaningful, profound to me. Um in so many places. And if you're if it has to come straight out of the text of, of one of Paul's letters, mm-hmm. um, then like you're gonna you just limit yourself so much to yes. what's out there. And again, I'm not saying like I am I am fully alive and experiencing sure. <laughs> Everything, but like it's it's learning. I'm taking steps there, and I'm I'm letting myself feel awe and wonder at stuff. Yes, and um, and letting different voices instruct me and teach me um ways that I can be in the world. Yes, and I'm finding that to be like like I said, like deeply meaningful, deeply yes. significant
0: one i think that's so beautiful because there's there's a like i think when people approach the bible oftentimes it's like again it's this prescriptive thing where it's like
1: yeah well
0: abraham encountered god this way so i should be able to do this exact same thing like i know someone who tried like a dozen times to walk on water and i was like oh this is like cuz cuz people are encountering god in wacky 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 ways in the bible that are not like <laughs> don't seem super replicable nor should they be or whatever <laughs> And what I think ends up happening is that Christians set their expectations on the miraculous coming from the outside, or like, again, in a uniquely Christian or Jesus-stamped mm-hmm. kind of way, that even people who have a deep faith end up constantly disappointed by their faith because it, that's not like a, the skies open and a dove comes down and you hear the audible voice of God, or like you didn't feel a thing deeply enough, or you didn't experience something in the way that seemed the most spiritual. And I think that's deeply damaging because we don't learn to have awe and wonder in other spaces in a way that allows our faith to be shaped by things outside of just like what our expectations of it should be.
1: Yeah. And and that's a place where like, I all admit like that's that kind of idea is something that did kind of pull me away from faith is this idea. Like I felt like, and I, I don't know what to do with like, it's sometimes actually it's, it's hard Like, when you say things like that, I'm like, I don't know what to do with that, Brandy. Because, like, I read, I read the, I did, I led Mark's study. Like, I led people through that. Like, Mark's all about the miracles. And yet, I also have to go, like, hey, students, this is probably not going to happen. Like, these things that you're reading are probably not going to happen. And and actually, believing they will is not that helpful. And I don't know, I like, I don't know what to do with that. Like, that feels, like, at that point, I'm like, then what what are we doing? Like, what's the point of this, right? So, like... Um, it a lot of ways. It felt like c- consistently lowering my expectations of what I thought God could do to uh. my point now, where I'm like, my kind of big question when it comes to God is like, okay, God, um, like an office space where the consultants come in, and they're like, uh, what would you say you do here? Yes. Um, so like, yes. I'm like, I I don't know how to answer that question. Like, what what does He or God do? Like like we don't need to assign a he pronoun to God, but Like, what does God do? And I don't know. Yeah. Um, And I don't know how to read the Bible and not get expectations that God should be doing crazy things. Like, people should be rising from the dead. Like, why? Like, all those Christians who were like, we're not going to wear masks. Like, on some of them, like, you should be right. Yeah. Like, you, but it seems pretty clear to me that God is not in the business of making the coronavirus go away. Yeah. That's up to us. Uh and um I think like trying to for me trying to find awe and wonder in the natural, in the like yeah. things that like really do happen has been a really um it's been like a, I think it's a really great experience. Yeah. Um and I'm I'm enjoying doing that and like I took, we went out with some friends and just went canoeing on the, the the river on Monday. And I was like, I'm just on the river with my, with two of my kids on a canoe. This is great. Yeah. They're like putting their hands in the water thinking they can just grab a fish. I'm like, oh, you're adorable. Yeah. Um, but then they spent 20 minutes trying to catch minnows in the shells. I'm like, this is, this is a wonderful, wonderful thing that I don't feel like I've lost any significance or meaning if i don't know if there's a god behind it.
0: Yeah, totally. And i think i just want to affirm what you're saying because i think that for many people we have felt like we've had to lower i think it's attention. Maybe I'll name attention that i think many people feel, yeah. which is like many of us have lowered our expectations especially in the last like 6 years when the world has just like exponentially become more chaotic and I, and i think for me i sit in the existential dread of climate change the end of democracy and the delta variant like kind of all the time like it just i'm talking through that in therapy pretty regularly but i think that many of us are because we don't see what we think is god moving whatever that means it's like oh we feel like our faith is dying or we're lowering our expectations or we don't feel what we used to feel but there's also these other experiences where i'm like i've seen like weird miraculous shit happen that's like stuck like i went back like i prayed for someone to get healed in 2008 And in 2017, I called her up and I was like, hey. And she's like, yep, I'm still good. And I was like, one, how'd you know I was going to ask you that shit? And two, (laughs) that's interesting. Like, that's interesting. And I think there's things that I go, hmm. And I think that those things are enough for me to go, you know, I haven't discarded all of it yet. That doesn't mean it's not a valid thing to do to be like, I've lowered my expectations to the point where my expectations are zero. Like, I think that that's a totally valid thing. I just want to name that tension for people who might be wrestling with that.
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's okay. I think, like, I don't know if this has direct about, this is directly about, like, uniquely Christian or not, but, like, I want to say to any of your listeners who are, like, afraid that if they, like, let go of God completely, like, that they're bad or something, uh-huh. like, you're not. Yeah, it That is a thing you can do, yeah. and it's going to be hard and weird, and you're not going to have to do with it, and you might feel really unmoored from reality for a while yeah. like you can do it and you're not a bad person yeah. and if you ultimately say no i want to hold on to this idea of god i want to hold on to jesus and somebody like you can do that yeah like like you and i are probably like both versions of this yes right like and and i think what is what i'm seeing is very important um and that kind of cuts through some of this uniquely christian stuff is i think brandy that like you and I have a lot of similar values. Like when we look at the world and what we want the world to be, uh, I think there's a lot of similarities. Like we want the world to be more just and inclusive and green, right? Like we we want, I want whales to still be around in 50 years, you know, like, and I want, like, I don't want, people in this country to not feel like they have a voice or that to be like left out of healthcare systems or to be left behind in, in education stuff. Right. Particularly yeah. people of color and black and indigenous peoples. Like I, I'm like, I see what's going on. I'm like, this is not right. I want to be better. You want it to be better. Yes. Like we, we could work endlessly together for the same goals. Yes. And we have different ideas about what's true about the divine, yes. but we have similar values. Yes. And, That's, that I'm seeing is, that's really important.
0: Yes. And I think that's particularly important for many of us who have mistaken triggers for the Holy Spirit, because I think that there's a way that like, 18 year old me, if I was talking to you right now, would be like, no, because somehow what the way that you (laughs) save the whales is going to slip me on a slippery slope back to (laughs) Satan somehow. And like, that if it doesn't have the Jesus stamp, it's not good. So I think this is actually very related, because... There's a way that I have to demonize you to make your version of that thing the wrong way to do it, even if it is the better because my Christian approach or like historically Christian approach to something may be the very wrong way to approach something when say we need something like science. And I think that there's ways that we have to we have to create all kinds of justifying narratives for why like people who aren't Christian are like, okay, or they're the exception or like, oh, they must be like Christian in their heart, or they were saved at one point, or like, everybody in Romans like knows the power of God somehow manifest in the world. And so I think that there's ways that many of us when we are engaging with people who don't share our faith convictions, start from a place of judgment. And I know I'm still unlearning this and going like, actually, there's a lot of ways to live. There's a lot of ways to live and be Christian. There's a lot of ways to live In a Christian way and not be Christian. There's a lot of ways to live otherwise that are all valuable and can contribute to what it means to, for me in my worldview, like, see the creativity of God to be a part of communities that look like what I think a Jesus community looks like and have that be meaningful. And what I found to be deeply challenging in my own world is that most of the people I know who look most like Jesus aren't Christian. (laughs) And I don't exactly know what to do with that all the time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think, I think a lot of people who um like former evangelicals ex evangelicals like would say the same thing they're like man i left and i found people who well, was like oh this is what it's supposed to be oh okay um and and i you know i want to say too i i notice um i notice a tendency in evangelical groups i'm pretty i'm pretty familiar with that world mm-hmm. like i kind of left my faith right as that like exvangelical evangelical movement was like kind of picking up some steam so I I'm familiar with a lot of it and a lot of like the people in it and what some of the controversies whatever but like sometimes there's this like hard pendulum swing to like oh religion and all religious people are just bad Mm -hmm. or whatever and I'm like eh listen like and we're like oh we just need science and like science gave us the atom bomb yes right like science (laughs) gave us uh like all those oil refineries that are just like destroying <laughs> the world yep. that's science yeah and and that's why i loved i bring it back to braiding sweetgrass yeah. like i know that book came out like 8 years ago but it's like my book of the year for yeah. me <laughs> but it's like it's this melding of really good science and really good like inhabiting the world yeah. and and understanding what like what a human being a community of human beings can be in the world and it just it marries those two things so well and i'm like oh see it's it's not just yeah. the scientific method that will save us it's a science it's it, it's science is a tool that when you have a posture of reciprocity and, and justice, and like seeing the rest of the world as just as important as we are yeah. that it can do such amazing things yes. like that's so yeah just before, even if, before you read my book, read that book. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, and what I love about her is that in some ways she's kind of like, and this is kind of magical. And she comes yes. just shy of saying things like, and that was a holy moment. Like, she really mm. is like right on the edge of those things. And so I think, you know, as a person who is like very Christian, like my my like, my like take on love for Jesus and all that has not changed very much. But I think what, what feels like maybe the the implication of some of that is that there's ways that Christians, like, kind of fuck themselves, like, really badly, like, where we'll be like, the uniquely Christian thing is to, and this is so stupid, because it's like, not even true. It's like, the uniquely Christian (laughs) thing is to pray. And I'm like, you don't think other faith communities pray to their gods? Like, you don't think that's what's happening? But it's like, prayer is the right thing. And therapy is the secular thing. Or like, prayer is the right thing. And going to a doctor is the secular thing. And so I think prayer gets, like, really twisted in these situations, too, where like, Prayer isn't like just your first pass at something, it's your only pass. And if you if you decide to do something else, you're no longer a faithful follower of God. Or like if you believe that like things can't be explained or like that something is just bad because it is and like God's not working everything together for good according to God's purposes, like because you, you're losing your faith and faith is the better thing than like sitting in the reality of your pain. And so I think there's all kinds of dichotomies that get set up with this uniquely Christian dynamic. Yeah, And so I guess I'm wondering, so we've talked a little bit about this and I think we can kind of move toward wrapping up here, but this kind of, what do you think it costs Christians? Because I think for someone who doesn't identify as Christian, I think that you probably have a pretty good perspective on what it costs Christians <laughs> to only be in these like uniquely Christian spaces or to have kind of a, a world that's calibrated toward or magne- like magnetically pulled toward things being uniquely Christian. So can you tell me a little bit about like what you think that costs people yeah. like me?
1: So... uh. <laughs> the 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 truth i think that's fairly obvious but i think a lot maybe a lot of people who are like deep into white evangelicalism don't necessarily think about is like christianity does not and has never had a monopoly on goodness right it never has it everything good about humanity existed long before jesus showed up right like it was all there and um I think there are ways that Jesus highlighted a lot of the good and like spoke to things that were like already true. And I think there's ways where I look at Jesus and I'm like, I don't I don't know about that man. Like, ugh. Sorry. <laughs> um but like if you have if things have to be Christian, um you cut off so many avenues of learning and growth and goodness. Like just just like good pleasurable experiences, mm-hmm. um, like you were saying, like oh, prayer is better than therapy. So I'm like, yeah, it's was like prayer or like God dancing with your friends, socially distanced outside, probably these days. But yeah. like, right, like like I would have thought, oh, that's that's just running away from your problems. But like, is it? Is it if you like are with people you love, moving your body to music you love? Like, what what's what's bad about that? Yeah. That sounds amazing. I am not a person who does that. I'm just going to make that clear. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, aspirational values, <laughs> yeah. If you dream. I'll work on my white man's overbite there. Um, but like, there's so much goodness out in the world from so many different kinds of people, from so many different backgrounds, from so many places. Expressions of art and like just everything, right? Like, is can be a potential source of really wonderful awe inspiring things um that can make you just love being alive yeah and and what's also great is you have freedom to try all of it yeah um you really do yeah and you get to decide how you feel about it yeah you don't have to let someone tell you how you're supposed to feel yeah. about whatever you experienced um like you know like when people like yoga is demonic or something like Come on, man! Like, really? You know, like you're not. If you decide that you want to like participate in something that falls outside of like your Christian tradition, you are not creating a foothold for Satan. Like, it's that's it's not happening. Yeah.
0: Because what's <laughs> like, Satan gonna do with that foothold? Like, I just, I like even the metaphors are weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know, and I think you you mentioned this too. Like, it's okay to not. To, it's okay to believe that the Bible doesn't have all the answers. Yeah. It's really okay because it doesn't. Yeah. Um, what did I write here? I want to like, I, I found it really helpful to, you know, it's, it's hard to do this when you're deeply in a ministry context. Um, like it's hard to go, do I actually believe what the Bible says about this? Yeah. At least, or at least in my interpretation of what the Bible says about yeah. this. Um it's it's hard to do that but i think when you like to begin with a what do i like know is true and real about the world uh-huh. and then to go does the bible seem to back that up or does it not now some people would yeah. say oh it 100% does and other people say no i don't think it does and we're going to land on different places yeah um but like you can question it all the way you can question it all the way down and you can walk away going there's nothing here yeah or you can say no i found some good stuff that i want to hold on to yeah
0: um, well, and like yeah, a way I, I would to. summarize that is just by saying that like your faith and your humanity can be in conversation with each other. That like yeah, you don't have to eject your lived experiences to understand your faith, but rather ask like how are these in conversation with each other, and what do I learn as I pay attention to the conversation that my lived experiences mm-hmm. are having with the faith that I espouse. And I think I want to just name for people too that there's a hard dynamic, which is that many of us were taught that questioning the white evangelical interpretations of the scriptures is in and of itself an evil thing that means that you've lost all of your ethics and your values and that there are there's no such thing as like ethics, values, and morals outside of white yeah. evangelical Christianity. And I think when that happens, it makes everything really scary. And I think that then mm-hmm. what ends up happening, and I've seen this happen with a lot of folks who are deconstructing, that that actually does happen. That like all morals, all ethics kind of like, just go wayside. So it's like, everything is good for whatever all the time. And I'm like, no, you can actually you can also, you can actually develop ethics and worldviews and values that guide how you try new things and how you experience things in a way that isn't terrible. I think I've mostly seen this with yeah. sex where people are just like, now I'll just do like whatever I feel like. And then people are like, why don't I feel good, Brandy? And I'm like, because you, you're you <laughs> well, like doing things that don't reflect consent and responsibility and respect, which yeah, are values right? that and you that, hold.
1: And the thing is, in that, it's like, I think the healthy way to approach it is the things that you this This mysterious person that we're talking about, yeah. like the things that you want to try, you're allowed to try them, yeah. and then you pay attention to how you feel about yeah. them, you pay attention to the effect it has, like did you walk away from that experience going, "I feel gross, yeah, I don't feel like I, and why, oh, because we didn't talk about extent, like I didn't want to do the thing that that person said, yeah, and then you've learned something, yes, you've had and like and you're not bad for having experienced that,
0: yeah
1: you it doesn't that doesn't really mean anything yes other than what you want it to so like you can say oh that was an experience i did not enjoy that i will not be doing that again or you could say that was an experience i didn't think i would enjoy and wow it was awesome yes definitely 10 out of 10 would do again
0: (laughs) yes and i think that for some i just want to name for some people who are like maybe in a position like i've been in over the last few years which is like yeah you can try everything and i'm like and for me I probably shouldn't because I know that some things are not going to be good for me. Are not going to be healthy for me, and are not going to be helpful. And I think that sometimes, like progress, like when sometimes I see people pivot from like evangelicalism to like this progressivism. That's like, well, now if you don't do everything, then like you're just like hindering yourself from the world. And I'm like, sure. okay, well, also like I do know something about myself. So for some of you, you might not, yeah. you might feel the pressure to be like,
1: yeah,
0: it's what is that like the Paul phrase? Everything is permissible, but not everything is like <laughs> helpful. You know, I was like, okay, sure.
1: Sure. That's, that seems like a thing where I kind of agree with him. Yeah, like, yeah you, you can. You also don't have to.
0: Yes, because not everything That's is you. going to be helpful for you. And I think that that actually kind of guiding by Paul is actually kind of, yeah, like you said, pretty helpful to that say when I'm questioning things and when I'm doubting things and when I want to figure things out for myself, I can ask questions. I can try things out. I can assume that that the if I believe that God loves me, that like if I totally, 100%, the worst thing in the world, mess this up that it's going to be okay, like that that's going to be okay. And I think that's where some of my worldview around holiness and like these kind of Jewish ideas of like God's like set apartness or love or whatever coming out Mm -hmm. and healing people proactively actually feels like it's a really beautiful image for people who are trying to figure things out because it says that I can encounter the goodness and like the beauty of the divine even in whatever place that I'm in, even in the confusion or chaos or whatever. And so, wow, confusion, yeah. chaos. That's like a, that's a twofold. That's like a very much an evangelical worship song somewhere and I can't yeah, right. place it. That's yeah, fine. It's like, it's,
1: I, once, I see this a lot in evangelical circles where there's the, you know, whatever expression of Christianity they grew up with is the expression. Mm-hmm. And so like, oh, all, like, well, how could God be loving He's going to send you to hell. I'm like, a lot of Christians don't actually believe that's yeah. it's real. So let's, okay. But, um, like for people questioning, like there are so many expressions of Christianity and so many that you might find so much better and more helpful. And if you're like having, if you're like me and you're having trouble like believing any of it, that's okay. Like you are under no obligation to try them all out. You don't, you don't have to like, you don't have, if you come from a white evangelical church, and you're having trouble believing God, you don't have to become a member of a black church <laughs> no, before no. you leave. You don't have to. Uh you can if you want. Yeah. Um, like but I would say I think it is it is helpful and will be like you will be better, the world will be better if you start learning from black people.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: start learning and listening to indigenous voices. They don't have to be Christian ones, but like yeah. listen to different kinds of people deconstruct the like white supremacist culture you came out of as well as your faith. Yeah. Uh, A lot of people stop at the faith and I would say keep going. Yeah. And that's, what's, what's one reason like I've loved listening to your podcast because like almost every episode, like when you get talking about like the Bible stuff, I'm like, ah, I don't know what to do. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that, but there's so many, so many of the conversations that you've had with your guests, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I had not thought of this before. This is so helpful. Oh wow. I totally do this. Like I fall into this way of thinking or I, yeah. So like, that's why I've loved listening to it. Um, because it's, it's like, Oh, these are, these are voices that I need to hear. These are conversations that I feel like very privileged to be able to listen to, Mm. you know? And, um, it's it's helpful, and honestly, like I'm like if people are gonna be Christians, I'd rather them be the kind of Christians that you talk about. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> seems like we'd be in a lot better place.
0: Yeah, that's my hope. Uh,
1: so, yeah, like, uh, I, I'm trying to like come up with some nice way to phrase some of that a lot, but I can't. Yeah. I'm just gonna just right. keep
0: rambling for. <laughs> well, I think I, I do hear like an undertone of an invitation here, which is like to be gentle with ourselves. Like, wherever totally. you're at is. Okay. I think that's one thing that many of us totally. are not told is that wherever we're at is okay. And like, yes. I'm hella Christian. And I can be like, I believe Jesus is the, like offers the best way of being in community with people. And I can also be like, and the natural world kind of reflects that. And there's like a way to be really evangelical about that or just to be like, maybe the best things are all kind of telling a similar story. Like, yeah, I
1: th- I think that's probably true. Like, uh, yeah. And if you're if you're like deconstructing, like, I don't know what to land. I don't know what I believe in. It's fine. Yeah. you don't have to know it's okay like you don't have and if you're a christian and you're like i don't know what i think about all this stuff like it's okay you don't have to have all the answers like evangelicalism whiteness tells us you have to know right now yes you have to know what you think and you don't yes. you have all kinds of time to figure it out
0: yes and i think on the other side of that is something much more robust that has much more structure and meat and bones to it than the kind of sure. hollowness of evangelicalism and i think that a to to again, be very Christian, but like, I think a faith fought for is much better than a faith that has just been indoctrinated. And so many of us, totally, I think, have to make the decisions for ourselves to wrestle this out a little bit. It's, again, I could be so Christian. Mm-hmm. I, I am Christian. I'm yeah. like, I love the Jacob story where it's like Jacob's wrestling with God. And it's like, mm-hmm. I'm not stopping until you give me a blessing. And I'm like, some people need to fight for the faith that they have and that they love and that they want to be about. And some people yeah. are going to fight and then be like, yeah, this isn't worth it for me to do this anymore. Like yeah. This.
1: You need to like go wrestle. And I don't know if you need, I don't want to say someone needs to do something, but like, like you fight with God and go like, make it make sense. Yes. Like make it make sense. Yes. <laughs> like, and I'm not stopping until you make it make sense.
0: Yes. And I think that is a, I think that is a faithful thing to do is to wrestle oh. until something makes sense or at least some, some degree of sense. And if it doesn't to go, yeah, maybe that's not a central thing I need to be worried about.
1: Yeah. So, and I'm not telling you how long to do that. No, do no. Until, if you run out, of it, if you just can't do it anymore, you can't do it anymore. It's fine.
0: Yes, and I think that community is the best resource we have in the wrestling. Like to have, again, like you and I can be in conversation and be in totally different places and have a meaningful and good conversation. Yes, that can be. You tra- know how much I've like wanted to
1: talk to you like, <laughs> over the last like year and a half, like because I feel like I feel like I get to just listen to you talk so much. I'm like, oh, God, I want to, like, Brandy, come over for dinner, Ugh, please. Yes,
0: <laughs> this freaking COVID. Because you know I want to be there, too. I'd be delighted to come hang out sometime. Yeah. But I um, mean,
1: listeners, dear listeners, Brandy used to come and, like, crash on our futon. <laughs> he
0: sure often. did. Yeah, I still have a key and to your spilled house. spilled a bunch
1: of black nail polish, I think, on one of our shoes. Oh, my God, I did.
0: I <laughs> spilled a whole thing of black nail it's okay. polish Okay, You know why? Because
1: stuff. we see that thing, and we go, oh, Brandy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: i'm pretty sure one of these keys on my key ring is a maybe an old key to your house so oh. i still have one of those but you know Excellent. to um use the segue in a terrible way i know where to find you but where can people find you <laughs> out on these internet yeah. streets in the world
1: um well i mean the place you're probably easiest is like i'm on twitter at jb emerson e-m-e-r-s-o-n uh, I'm also on Instagram. I'm very bad at it, but it's that's J underscore B underscore Emerson. The J stands for James. I go by my middle name. Uh, so that's, that's basically where you can find me if you're wanting, like, snarky comments towards politicians or, I don't know, it's random. <laughs> Love for Marvel, all things Marvel Comics movies. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> well, tell them about your book, too.
1: Okay, well, I wrote a fiction book. Um, it's it's geared towards, like, late elementary, middle school. Um, so it's, like, a middle grade. And if you like, you know, if you like those middle school adventures with monsters, and if you like Percy Jackson, Rick Riordan Presents imprint books, like, that's kind of what I was going for. It's called A Kraken for Christmas. It's about a, a lonely, skittish kid who finds himself at the center of a monster invasion of Portland. Uh, <laughs> so that's, like, the real, like, one-sentence yes. thing. Uh, I had a... I worked on it for a couple years, and I am released it into the world. You can also, if you are a member of the Multnomah County Library, you can check it out. It is in their collection. Or you can just buy it on, I hate that it's on Amazon, Mm -hmm. but that's a good place to get it. Um, Or Kobo or Barnes & Noble. It's on those ones as well.
0: So good and so fun. read it.
1: Leave me a nice review if you like it.
0: Yeah, it's a romp, and I like a romp, so... (laughs) Well, thank you, Ben, so much for your time tonight. It's so good to just get to talk to you and to see yeah. your face on here. Listeners, I always can see the faces of the people I'm talking to because I don't want to act like I'm talking on the phone with people who I'm trying to have discourse with. And so it's just so good to get to see your face for a minute. And I hope I get to come down and hang out with your family so soon.
1: Yay. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's I've very much enjoyed uh, talking to you. So
0: good. Thank you for joining for another episode of Reclaiming My Theology. As I say every week, as though it's scripted, but really just memorized now and off the cuff. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review. It helps folks find the show, which is really great to keep the show going. If you want to help support us financially, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com/brandynico. And with all of that, y'all, maybe try something new this week. Because in trying things, we get to know our feelings better, and in knowing our feelings better, we know ourselves better. And I think as we know ourselves and our communities better, we are actually able to do better together.